Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Hey, you guys, a family is a group of people. This is going to be like mind-blowing to you. I know this. It's going to be like, wow, I've never heard this before. Family is a group of people that's related to each other by blood. Did you know? Wow. Wow, I came to church today to find out that. And then a church is a group of people that are related to one another through the blood of Jesus. Amen? So we got our biological family, we got our church family, and God is wanting to fortify both things. 2020 is the year of strong families here at Siege Church. And so what does that mean? We've got this definition that we've been running from here. Whether it's a blood relation or whether it's the blood of Jesus relation, it's these people who are committed to each other, we love each other and take care of each other, having the power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or effective. Or, yeah, and so this is the kind of a family that God wants for us. We've been talking about what it takes to build a strong family. And so you'd think that um, we'd be talking about marriage. You'd think that we would have gotten to talking about, you know, husband and wife, dynamic relationships, that kind of stuff. We'd think that we'd be talking about parenting, uh, communication, things of that nature. But we haven't gotten to those things yet because really all of those, as important as they are, they're secondary to the other things. And, and, and so here's the deal. Think about it in terms of building a house. What do you do when you're building a house? What's the first thing you have to do? You've got to prepare the site, right? You've got to prepare the site, then you lay the foundation, then the framing goes up, then it's time to like get the roughed in plumbing and the electrical and the HVAC, and all that has to happen before you start you know, painting walls and decorating and hanging drapes, right? You, you, you don't paint walls before you know, all the electrical is in the walls. And so all that stuff, the, the, the marriage, the communication, the parenting, we're gonna to get to all that, that's good stuff. But what we're talking about here is more about the structure first instead of like the, what color of the paint or, or is gonna go on the walls. Does that make sense? So we've been talking about this over the last few weeks and, and so what is our foundation? What is the framing? What is the plumbing, the electrical, and the HVAC? Well, we said that our identity in Christ is our foundation. And then, so once you got that foundation laid, then we gotta make sure we've got a biblical worldview. Our families need a biblical worldview. That means that we, we, everything that we feel, everything that we think, everything that we do, everything that's done to us, we filter it through what does God's word say? Not just what does the culture say, not do what do I feel, but what does God's word says. That's what it means to have a biblical worldview. And then after that, we gotta make sure we prioritize praying together and worshiping together. And that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And if you don't understand the importance of these building blocks and you hear all these things like, okay, great, you know, identity in Christ, you know, uh, biblical worldview, praying together, worshiping together. Yeah, 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 I've heard all this before. When are we gonna get to the good stuff? And you might be thinking like that, but that's like the kid that wants to learn how to play guitar. And like on day one, they wanna start playing like John Mayer or Brad Paisley or Jimmy Page, you know? Or, or it's the kid that wants to like be the next great NBA star, 
and they go out and pick up a basketball for the first time and they wanna handle the ball and shoot like LeBron or Jordan or Jerry West, you know? And it doesn't work that way, right? You've got to learn the basics. You gotta learn the fundamentals. So if you wanna become a master at anything, you've, you've got to be willing to endure learning the basics and the fundamentals. So if we truly wanna build strong families, then we first gotta get back to the basics, right? And we gotta master that. Earlier this week, someone uh, said, hey, what do you, what's the building block are we gonna be talking about this week? And I told them what it was, and they're like, okay, where are you getting the, the, the material for this message series? Where are you getting all this from? I said, the Bible. <laughs> the Bible, isn't that amazing? Isn't that remarkable? We've mentioned this previously in this series. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And the first part of the letter, chapters one through three, he explores the story of the gospel, right? And, 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 he, and he talks about how everything that God has done has now culminated in the person of Jesus and culminated into this multi-generational, multi-ethnic community of people called the church. And then the last three chapters, the last half of the letter, chapters four, five, and six, Paul talks about our response to the story of the gospel. There's this connecting word there in, in the very beginning of chapter four, and it's the word therefore, right? So you've got all this stuff here in the beginning, chapters one through three, the marvelous work of the gospel, and now therefore, it means there's something to do now. There's a response now. And chapters four, five, and six talk about how the gospel should affect every part of our lives. It should affect and direct and have influence on the way we live in every area of our lives. And so in, in chapters five and six, right as Paul is getting to, ready to ramp up into talking specifically about family dynamics and how the gospel has an effect on our families, uh, he writes this. This is Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. He says, and we've read this before, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Everybody say amen, like duh, right? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to God for everything, or excuse me, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the last two weeks, we, we talked about verses 18 and 19, that, that part where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, encourage each other in, in, making, in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music to the Lord in your hearts, we talked about strong families engage in worship together. And we talked about the power of that. We talked about what that does. And we talked about last week uh, of, of the story of David and how he faced Goliath and how he faced some in incredible circumstances after that. But he was able to endure those things because he knew the person of God because he had spent time worshiping God. He'd spent time getting to know God in the place of worship. And so we know that worship can destroy the lives of the enemy, no matter what, how big of a giant is facing you, no matter how uh, just in, incredible looking the, in, in, the, the circumstance is in front of you. He's like, man, I can never overcome that. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. 
God in you can overcome anything. If God is for you, who can be against you? These are the lessons that that David learned as a shepherd in the fields when he was tending the flock and the lion came and the bear came and he saw the power of God at work. And it wasn't him being confident in his shepherding skills of going, man, I've, I've, I've been a pretty good shepherd. I'm gonna be able to defeat Goliath, a nine and a half foot warrior. No, but it was his confidence in God. It was he knew who God was. And so when the Philistine giant is saying, you Israel army, we're gonna defeat you and you're gonna be our slaves. David recognized that as a lie. And so we say worship destroys the lies of the enemy. And then also worship helps you endure every circumstance because David came out of that moment and he kind of like hit easy street for a little while and he moved from the fields into the throne room and he got to be, you know, Saul's uh, very personal minstrel. You know, hey, I get to sit around and play guitar all day for the king. That's a pretty cool job. But it went from that to like crazy King Saul going haywire and then wanting to hunt down and murder David. And so for anywhere between eight and 16 years, David is on the run and he's enduring this circumstance that it's like, man, this doesn't line up with what, like I was anointed as king. But what is this like? But worship helps him endure every circumstance, and it helps us endure every circumstance. So this is what we are talking about last week. Strong families um, engage in worship together. Today, I want to talk about the next verse that we read there in Ephesians chapter 5. And we go down to verse 20, and let's read this here. Let's read it again. And give thanks for everything to God, to, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me try that again. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I read this, I'm immediately reminded of another time that Paul writes the church in Thessalonica. And he says nearly the same thing. This is what what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I'm seeing another building block developing here, another building block of strong families, and that's that strong families are thankful at all times. Strong families are thankful at all times. Can you just repeat that after me? Say, strong families are thankful at all times. Let's do it one more time. Strong families are thankful at all times. Listen, I believe this is true. I know that it's true, but can I just tell on myself a little bit? As much as I know that it's true that strong families are thankful in all times, as much as I believe from the top of my head to the soles of my feet that strong families are thankful at all times, there's sometimes I don't hit this nail on the head. Sometimes I miss it. And um, and in one particular area that I'm not usually really great about showing how grateful I am to the people that are in my life. And that's the area of, of writing, like writing thank you notes or thank you cards. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really great at that. And so when Jamie and I got married, I was nervous. Um, I wasn't nervous about marrying her, but I was nervous about having to write all the thank you notes that we were gonna have to write for all the wedding gifts that we were gonna receive. Because that's like, it's like, man... My hand hurts. I was getting tired. I don't know what to say. How many times can you say thank you for, you know, the, the, the spoons that, they, that, you know, your Aunt Susie gave you? I don't, 
it's like, it's kind of weird and awkward. And, and so I'm just not very good at that, expressing thanks and writing. And um, it, we came home from our, our honeymoon and Jamie probably within a week time, she had her side of you know the family and friends, all of her family and friends that gave things. She probably had all of her thank you notes done in a week. It probably took me an entire year. And really, if I'm real honest with you, there's probably some people at the bottom of that list that still haven't gotten a thank you note <laughs> for whatever it is they got me. You know, wouldn't it be funny if like this week I wrote a thank you note to my third cousin? Like, thank you for that toaster you got me 20 years ago. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But, but, but I believe this. It's, it's absolutely true. And, and listen, I'm not saying that I'm not a thankful person. I, I am. I'm, I'm a person that I feel like th- that I, I have gratitude in my heart, but I'm just not always good at showing it. And, and, and so um, I, and maybe it's because I just don't know what to say all the time. I don't know what's appropriate or, or how to say it or what's too much to say. One time someone gave us a gift card to a restaurant and uh, we went out, and Jamie's like, hey, can you write a thank you note to that person that gave us that gift card? Sure, no problem. And so I'm over here writing a thank you note, and Jamie's like, what are you writing? And I was like, well, thank you for the gift card. Jamie ordered the margarita chicken. I ordered the buffalo wings, and I got an upset stomach. Thanks again. Love, J.D. and Jamie. She made me rewrite it. I don't know why, but it didn't go out that way. So I'm not great at writing thank you notes, but the Apostle Paul was. And we've already talked about two different times that Paul instructed the churches to adopt this, this concept and this idea and this, this principle of being thankful and adopt it into, and make it part of their DNA. But there's another time that Paul wrote a thank you note to his family, his church family. And we call it the book of Philippians. So picture this, first century Rome, and there's this uh, slave girl who was possessed by a demon, and the demon enabled her to have this supernatural ability to be a fortune teller. Now, she couldn't literally tell the future because, you know, there's no evil spirit that knows the future. But what evil spirits can do is tell you things about the past, factual things, and, and, and so this, this girl had this ability, this supernatural ability and power because she was possessed by an evil spirit. Paul rolls into town and Paul's trying to do ministry and this girl, this, this little uh, demon-possessed slave girl starts following Paul around everywhere he's going. And she's being loud, she's being obnoxious, she's disrupting everything. And, and Paul's just had enough. I'm tired of it. This, this has gone on for a few days. And he turns around, and he, in the name of Jesus, he cast the demon out of that girl, and the demon left and flee. Praise God. That, that happened 2,000 years ago. It can happen today. Amen? Power of God is still at work. Demons are still at work, but thank God we, have, we serve a God who is far greater. It's not even a contest, you guys. The power of God is not even a contest to the forces of darkness, the forces of evil. It's not to belittle and say that the forces of darkness have no power. Oh, they have as much power as we allow them to and give them, give them uh, authority. But we have authority in the name of Jesus. And, and so the demon fleed, and demons still flee today in the name of Jesus. But here's what happened. She lost her ability to be a fortune teller. 
She lost that supernatural ability to tell people things about themselves and then manipulate them, which means now her master was not able to collect on her ability to make money for him. Because she didn't do this as a hobby. She did it because she was slave to this guy, and that's how this guy made money. So the demon's gone. She lost her ability to be a fortune teller. This guy, the slave master, is upset because this, his slave can't make money for him anymore. And so he starts bringing up all these accusations against Paul, and Paul gets thrown into prison in Rome. And there he's awaiting trial. And, and here's the thing that you need to know. Back in the day, when you were thrown into jail, you basically, it's, it's not like the system that we have today here in the United States. You know, you get thrown into jail and like everything's provided for you, everything that you need to live and survive. I'm not saying it's a, it's a plush life, it's a life that any of us want to live, but you don't have to worry about like, where am I gonna sleep? Well, they provide you a place to sleep. Where am I gonna eat? Well, they provide you meals. You know, you just get in line, do your thing, do your time, you know, and everything's provided for you. But back in the day, it wasn't like that. You basically had to be responsible for your own living, your own like ability to survive in prison. And, and so you, you had to pay your own way in a, in, in a sense. So the Philippian church, they, they start sending financial gifts to Paul so that he's able to pay to, to feed himself. Because if, if you didn't have the money to pay for the food, the jail would just let you starve to death. So the Philippian church is like, they're helping Paul out. They're being very generous. And while Paul was in jail, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this thank you note. And we call it the book of Philippians. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse 10. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me. So here for Paul, just the thought of them thinking about him was comforting. But not only did, did Paul have the thoughts and prayers of the, of the Philippians, he had something, a show of their generosity. They had sent him these offerings. They had sent him these funds so that he could keep himself alive while he was imprisoned. And, and so the, 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 he's thanking God for their generosity. And he's not just thank, thankful to them, but he's expressing thanks to God for the church family that God put into his life. When I, when I think about this, and I think about Paul is imprisoned, and the only way that he was able to survive is his church family kept him alive. I think about all kinds of scenarios all kinds of scenarios in this church family where maybe we're not sending you know, financial gifts to each other in prison. You know, Praise God, none of us are in jail. But there's all kinds of things that are going on in our lives all the time, many of us, where we wouldn't be able to get through it if it weren't for the people in this room, if it weren't for our church family. It's remarkable. And one of the things that stands out to me from this account is that being confident in God also means being confident in God's people. I think sometimes we're hesitant to trust the believers around us. We're he hesitant to trust and, and put hope in our church family because we know that people are not Jesus all the time. 
We have shortcomings. We fail each other from time to time. And so instead of like giving each other second chances, we start building up walls. And we build up these walls and the walls keep us from gratitude. These walls keep us from thankfulness. These walls keep us from generosity. But what we need to do is not let, those, not let any of those bricks and those walls get built. And we need to understand that having confidence in God also means having confidence in God's people, having confidence in the family that God has put into your life, the church family. And listen, I'm just telling you, you are fooling yourself if you think you can have a strong relationship with the Lord or if you can fulfill God's purpose for your life without the help of your church family. I'm just telling you. Listen, I'm gonna say that again. You're fooling yourself if you think that you can fulfill God's purpose for your life without the help of other church family, without the help of other believers. We are the body of Christ. This finger does not exist out on its own. That'd be weird and creepy if this finger was just jumping around on this table. It's connected to this hand, and this hand's connected to this arm, and this arm's connected to this body. Praise God, right? Because then it'd be like the Adams family thing, right? The weird. And it's the same thing with us. You are in this church family for a reason. You are connected to the people that you're connected to for a reason. Uh, Dan Scott, who's one of our overseers, one of my pastors, he, he says this. He says that, that our relationships are the infrastructure of the spirit realm. Like what God is wanting to do in your life rides on the highways of relationship that we are in. Now listen, remember, like roads are, are they go both ways. And there's some roads, there's some relationship roads that lead to life and godliness, and there's some relationship roads that lead to misery and torment and death. And so it's important that like, we make sure that we're riding and that we develop the, the, the right infrastructure. The spirit realm, the, the relationships are the, are the infrastructure for the spirit realm. And so, listen, God is going to accomplish his will on earth through his people. And he's going to use your biological family. He's going to use your church family to accomplish his will in your life. And you might think, well, J.D., you don't know my biological family. They're a train wreck. They're a mess. How can God use them? Listen, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I don't say that shouting and jumping around because there's sometimes pain attached to some of our family relationships. Sometimes there's pain attached to some of our church family relationships. But you know, we've got to get past that. It's not that we've got to, to just ignore it and pretend like something that didn't happen, that something didn't breach our relationship. But it's like, we've got to fight for our relationships. We've got to fight for unity. It's important. The next few verses, Paul begins to set up a very well-known verse. It's a motivational verse. It's, the, it's a verse that the people who aren't even believers, they know this verse. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. You know, this is like 
plastered all over like at the football games and it's, you know, FCA uses this everywhere. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, when Paul wrote that, he wasn't talking about getting a touchdown. He wasn't talking about, you know, finishing first with a gold medal at the track meet, you know? He wasn't talking about, whoo, the the new car I'm gonna get. He's in prison. He's fighting for his life, waiting for his trial before Caesar. And he says, I can do anything through the power that I find in following Jesus. Paul is not claiming self-sufficiency. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He's continuing to write this thank you note and he's thanking God that he didn't have to accomplish or endure anything in his own power. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's an outspoken pastor, lived in the 1930s Nazi Germany. He got himself in trouble, got himself imprisoned. He died an early death as a matter of fact. I think he died maybe even before he was 40. He was executed. He wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship. And and he has some commentary on this verse, and this is what Bonhoeffer said about Philippians 4.13. He says, I believe God will give us all the power to resist in times of distress, but he never gives it in advance, lest we should rely upon ourselves and not him. That's so true. In the middle of demanding circumstances, we don't have to rely on our own power or our own strength. Thank God. Because sometimes as strong as I think I am, I'm not as strong as I think I am. And and, and so we're, we're relying on the power of God that's at work in us and we're also relying on the power of God that is at work in the church family. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How is he able to do that? How is he even able to write this letter? Because of the generosity of his church family that who is keeping him alive in prison. A few days ago, I felt prompted to reach out to Brother Ed Tobin, uh, who's up here leading worship just a moment ago. And uh, Brother Ed is newly appointed uh, director of men's ministry here at, at Seeds. Praise God. And he's got a lot of... Um, ministry experience under his belt, years and years. He's got a lot of, of marriage and parenting experience as well. And I just felt uh, compelled to reach out to him and I just shared with him just a little bit, hey, this is kind of the, the 40,000 foot view of what we're talking about here on Sunday. I just wondered if God had put anything on your heart that you would like to share. And he got back with me the next day and he shared some things with me I thought was extremely encouraging. So uh, Brother Ed, why don't you come up here and uh, share with us what the Lord's put on your heart concerning, uh, you know, strong families are thankful at all times. And I want to say this, this is a little off the topic, off the subject, but going back to the axe throwing event that we're going to have, it's going to be a good time. And if, uh, if you register online, seedschurchtn.com slash events, you can register for that. But if for some reason that you're weird about online stuff, just come see Ed and we'll get you registered old school fashion way with cash. But... Um, why don't you share with us what the Lord's speaking to you? All right. Just real quick. Um, you know, there's not a, the, the Bible says that the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that abundantly. And I didn't do that. 
choke up, choke the mic. Okay. I think I got it. Nope, no, I just killed it. All right, no, oh, no you, but at, at any rate, oh, new sound. Apparently not. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, focus. So anyway, we have this enemy, and it doesn't matter how smooth on the outside we look, okay? Everybody looks, can, can put on a good look. We dress up, and, but I'm telling you, the enemy hates every last one of us, and he is ruthless in, in wanting to get us on the run. He's after our mind, and, and, and ultimately, he's after our tongue and a delegated authority that Jesus has given us, okay? That's what he wants. And that's what he tries to do. And in, in this, years ago, God had given me this illustration when I was going to speak on this once upon a time. How many of you have seen uh, the Looney Tunes cartoons where, you know, be Bugs Bunny or uh, Roadrunner and, and Coyote, okay? And Coyote uh, is always setting up some form of destruction. He wants that Roadrunner bad, right? And, and he always ends up getting burnt. But in this, as I was watching this pl- play out in my mind once upon a time, uh, it was weird because um, it's like Roadrunner looked like he was absolutely trapped. He was going to, there was no way out. And he just reached up into the sky and opened up this door and just vanished into this door. And the coyote got up there thinking, how in the world? And he's like, where is he? Where is he? And the Lord spoke to my heart at that moment and said, that door is the door of thanksgiving. That is a hidden door that every one of my people have. And when the enemy has, is chasing and the enemy is harassing and the enemy has, has got you on the run, so it seems... There is this hidden door of thanksgiving that you can enter into. It's the door to the secret place. It is the access. It is the access way to the secret place of the Most High where there's safety and there's peace and there's the presence. And uh, and I wanted to share a testimony this morning, and I wanted my wife to come up and, uh, and share this because it's really her testimony. But there was a point in time where, um, you know, Stuff happens. Everybody, right? We all have stuff, you know, and sometimes we get under it and we don't even know. We're, we're actually the roadrunner running and we don't know why we're running. We're just running and we get depressed and we get down. And uh, would you tell of that? I'll choke the mic. You, <laughs> I still got it. I woke up one morning and um, I was bawling. I didn't know why. I just kept bawling and bawling and bawling and bawling and bawling. And Ed walked in. He'd been out in the office praying. And he goes, what's the matter? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I feel depressed. He goes, is there anything you can be thankful for? And I looked up above my head was a painting my sister had done. I said, I'm thankful for my painting. And he goes, and it broke. Immediately, it broke. I, it was just like the Spirit of God just cut it off. That's my testimony. <laughs> the, 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 so, so Thanksgiving is the door of escape. And we can help each other. 
We can help our husband. We can help our wife. Come on. Come through the door of thanksgiving. Come on. Come on through. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes, it's in Ecclesiastes 4, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to one who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm, but how will one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. As the church, in our homes, we can, we can help our family members come through that door of thanksgiving. But as the church, you're not, if you're, if you, if you're a single and you think, well, I'm all alone. No, you're a part of this family. And, the, and anyone in this family can open that door and help you enter into that place of thanksgiving, the door of escape. man that's just right on and I love that illustration I love that picture of like just roadrunner all of a sudden stepping through that invisible door of escape and thanksgiving is that it's amazing how when we take our focus off of our circumstances and we put our 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 hat of gratitude our hat of thankfulness on and go God I'm gonna to choose to look at you and I'm gonna to choose to be thankful for what you've done in your life or in my life. It's amazing how you can almost just completely step out of your circumstance. And there still might be difficulty that you have to walk through and endure, but you get the power to do it. What is, what is uh, Psalms 100 says? We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. So no matter what the circumstances is that you're walking through personally, walking through with your family, walking through as we walk through things in our church family, we're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're gonna enter his courts with praise. We're gonna step out of what's going on here and we're gonna step into a heavenly reality. Strong families are thankful at all times. You think, JD, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the difficulty that I'm facing. I don't know if I have anything to be thankful for. In that moment, that, that Peg couldn't think of anything else to be thankful for except a painting that her sister had painted for her. It wasn't like some big, huge thing. It wasn't just some this massive, huge thing that she had to be thankful for. It was just the simple gift that her her sister had given her of this painting that she had painted for her, and she decided in that moment to be thankful for that, and in that very moment, something changed. In that very moment, that the atmosphere shifted and changed in her heart. And so whatever it is, if you're like, I can't think of anything to be thankful for, you can thank God for Jesus. Thank God, Jesus, thank you that you have provided for us a way to experience and be blessed with every spiritual blessing because of what you have done. Jesus, I thank you that no matter what the circumstance is that I'm having to walk through right now, the reality is, is that I'm a son of God, that I'm a child of God, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. 
that I am the head and not the tail, that I have the mind of Christ. Thank you. Thank you for those things. All, any of us can be thankful for those things because those things are unchanged. Those things are cemented in eternity. They're solidified. They're unmovable. No one can take your position with God away from you as a child of God. No one can do that. You can always thank him. Always find something to be thankful for. This week, I was talking with another friend about this. Strong families are thankful in all circumstances. And uh, this is a new friend of mine, and he's just kind of, we're getting to know each other, and he's telling me about this unique skill that he seems to have of uh, curating music. He goes, give me any topic, and I'll find you a, a, a song that, that deals with that. And I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah. So he tries to move on in the conversation, and I just stopped him. I said, hang on, wait just a second. I, I'm going to test you at this. I said, here's what we're talking about here this coming uh, weekend at Seeds. We're talking about strong families are thankful in all circumstances. And he goes, give me a second. I got a song. And then he tells me this one song, and he goes, that song's okay, but I know that there's another one that's better. I said, okay, all right, we'll see. So we leave our little coffee meeting. I look up the song that he originally, you know, told me to look at. It was a great song, but it was really dark. <laughs> and it was really, it was a fantastic song. But I was like, oh, not quite appropriate for this moment. But then it wasn't about five minutes after that, he sent me another text. He goes, this is the song. And I listened to it and I said, yeah, this is the song. So we're gonna play for you this song this morning. And as we play it for you, I just want you to just Pay attention to the lyrics, pay attention to the attitude and the spirit of which the song was written in, and be aware of how, what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and in your thoughts right now as it, contain, as it pertains to strong families are thankful at all times. Let's watch this. God. It's easy to be worried, but it feels way better when you are not. Think about the way that the sun comes into your heart. It brightens up the window and it brightens up some of your thoughts. We don't have to be sure of everything to give thanks. Just to notice the kindness as we go on our way. drama in your life It may be your best friend, your mom or even your wife But think for a minute how it would be if they were gone And drop what you're doing and call them up on the phone mm -hmm. We don't have to be sure of everything to give thanks Just to notice a kindness as we go Change colors when we give things. Oh, when we give 
could have died in your sleep A meteor tsunami or that sugar that has slipped in your teeth Look at who woke up and made it to a brand new day Hey, so give up your worry and join me when I say hey, hey. We don't have to be sure of everything to give thanks Just to notice the kindness as we go on our way We all know the pain of living every day But watch the world change colors when we give thanks Oh, when we give stand up with me. God, we just want to give thanks to you. Just right now, I want you to just, um, every one of us in the room, just focus your mind on something that you can be thankful to God. And you can just verbally express it just right out there, out of your mouth. Just say, God, I thank you. Maybe it's God, thank you for today that, I, that I'm, I'm living, that I have breath. God, thank you. Uh, just for the, even the smallest things. God, thank you for the big things. God, thank you for it all. Lord, we just look at you, God, and we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for, God. We take our eyes off of our circumstances. We take our eyes off the mess that this world is. We put our focus on you. And God, we're gonna be thankful in all circumstances, in every situation, at all times. And God, we thank you that it's a way of escape it's a way to draw strength. It's a way to draw power. It's a way that we can endure all things. We can accomplish all things through Christ who gives us strength. God, we thank you for that. We can endure any circumstance. And God, we just, uh, God, we want to develop a culture of thanks, thankfulness and thanksgiving in our lives, in our hearts, and God, in our families. God, I just... I remember, I don't know, however long ago, a few months ago, almost a year ago, God, when shingles were flying off my roof, my car was breaking down, my dishwasher uh, just bit the dust, all these things going, God, extra bills that are coming in. God, there's so much I can complain about, so much that I could be worried about, but Lord, I chose to give thanks. God, you got me through. God, you got me through. So Lord, I just ask you right now for whatever's going on in our hearts, whatever is going on in our families, whatever's going on in this church family, God, we choose to give thanks because you are worthy. You are holy. You are mighty. We give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're here today and uh, maybe you came in today and you, you feel like you, you're far from the Lord, but there's something drawing on you on the inside to, to, to surrender your life to God, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in, in your life, at work in your life right now. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your life in this moment. He says, come and follow me. That's what Jesus said to these, uh, to these young men that recognized him. As, this is, guys, some, something different about him. 
And Jesus made this invitation to these young men, these fishermen, and he says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And that same invitation is open to us today. Jesus is saying to us, come and follow me. And if today you want to say yes, Jesus, I will come and follow you. I just invite you to just pray with me right now. Lord, I come to you and I I say I do want to follow you. I don't want to keep doing life my way. I don't want to keep following the ways of this world or this way or that way or the other. But I want to follow you, Jesus. So here I am. I'm coming. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. Everything that I am, everything that I have, I lay it before you. And I want to just follow you. I want your will for my life, God. I want to be able to, like with all these other believers, God, to be thankful at all times and all circumstances because I know that you're at work in my life. So Jesus, I declare you as Lord of my life. I say, come and be in charge. Be the boss of my life. I thank you that God raised you from the dead, that you are the one true son of the living God. And I put all my faith and all my hope and all my trust in you. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and make me new. Come and make a difference with my life, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.